So today's class is dedicated to Peril Fredel Basarilea and Rivka Basarilea. May they all have a Foshalema. Amen. Okay, so we are in the middle of the fourth chapter of Shar Bitach. We're going to go to page 122. Last week we got a little bit deep, which is great. And being that we're entering the month of Tishrei, which means that as of next week, we have to make a recap of the basic halachas of Rosh Hashanah, and then we're going to go into Yom Kippur and Sukkot. So whether we're going to continue after Yom Tov, which I don't mind, or it's up to really the group, what we'll do after Yom Tov, I think it's important, being that we will certainly be taking a break to recap, and especially recap the topic of last week and two weeks ago. I do want to read a little bit inside. And before reading inside, the, the challenge for Bitachin, as explained by the author, and Bitachin means that a person's belief that it's God's world, which means that everything that happens, mamish, to my life, was by Hashgacha Pratis, custom-made divine design for me, even though I say these words, and I really hope I believe these words, but if these words resonate, only when these words really take hold of me, when it's properly ingested in my mind and heart, will I live a life of bitachim. We believe, and then ultimately we have the emotional reaction towards the belief. The emotional reaction of the belief is the mitzvah of bitachim. Like Mamish, God is telling us, his people, the Jewish people, that we have a mitzvah to believe in certain things. And on top of that, we have a mitzvah to do the work, and that's a lot of work, to, to, to ingest, to take in, to really become one with that which we believe in. How do I know whether it happened to me? The answer is, am I feeling the calm? Am I feeling bitachim? It's the greatest measuring stick. It's the easiest mitzvah to know whether I did or not. How do you feel? You go to a therapist, you open the session, how are you feeling? Okay, that's it. Am I feeling calm? Or not? Well, that's that's the question. Do I have bitachin or not? And it's not a sum zero game. I'm sure many people at certain moments have a tremendous amount of bitachin. Most people, many moments, have no bitachin. And then most of the time, we're somewhere in between. And one of the ways of incorporating and and connecting more and having more bitachin is by learning the shara bitachin. Question is, if it's really God's world, which it is, why do I have to do what I need to do? And if everything is basharat anyways, which it is, even more, why do I have to do anything? This is the classic question. And the answer is huge, and we spoke about it last week, and we spoke about it two weeks ago, and we're going to speak about it today, and it's so big, the answer is so big, is that even when people hear it and understand it, they have to hear it again, because it's very counterintuitive. Unless a person merited to be raised by great tzaddikim, that means from our youth we were, we were being told this again, and, and even then, we have to hear it, nachamol and nachamol in Yiddish, for us to really start to think differently. And what is that? And that is the following. That there is God's giving to us what God is giving to us. There's God's planning for us that which God is planning for us. And then there is my responsibility to make the right choices which are completely independent of what will happen to me. God is commanding me to act responsibly. If I act irresponsibly, it's correct to make this broad statement, whatever is coming my way will come my way regardless. So why do I have to make the effort? Because God commanded me to make the effort. And the huge mistake that people make is when they begin to attribute the success to the effort that they made. The success is fully God's. And I'm making my effort because I have a commandment to make an effort. Let me give you a great example. 
and I'll, I'll follow the footsteps of Rabbeinu Bachaya that uses making a livelihood as a topic which occupies the majority of the pages, even though this is not just about making a parnasa, but it's a great example. It's not, it's something that we can um, talk about. Sometimes when you speak about deeper issues, it becomes, um, it triggers certain emotions and, and we lose the capacity of thinking objectively. Let's speak about making a living. Noigeya, but it's not your life. And you know what? Let's use an example that Rabbeinu Bachaya doesn't bring, but the Hasidus brings a lot in the context of, and as a footnote on Rabbeinu Bachaya Shara Bittachin. Let's speak about working to making a living. Who can tell me when we had in history two times so far where we did not need to work to make a living? In the desert. Daman. Thank you. And when was the other time? The cloud, no, cloud of glory. Well, that's the Daman era. Mitzrayim. I mean, oh, oh, did we work? We didn't make a living, bro. Did we work? Yeah, there's nothing else. You know it. You know the answer. L'chaim. Oh, during the Christmas? No. When God created us. When God created Adam and Chava. In Gan Eden. Whatever that was. One hour. I take, I'll take, we'll all take, guys, if we can have one hour, no need to work to make a living. We'll take it. We'll take it. But it's not just that. It's that is that that was the model. You know, it's even though God knew we're going to make whatever whatever it is that happened, God foresaw that. But there was a reason why God created the world initially with a system in which Adam and Chava did not need to work to make a living. And it's very interesting that there are many correlations. There were many things that God initiated the world with that we lost after the original sin that we got back by Matan Torah until nationally we made the sin of the golden calf. Just for example, however you understand these words, Adam and Chava were created to live forever. Where would we be then? That's a very, very important question to ask. According to the, to the Zohar, we would not be as we are right now at all. Wow. We were a part of Adam and Chava and we would live our lives through Adam and Chava. So if you're walking around upset at our grandparents, how dare you sin? You would not be here without them. Because living, we're getting on a tangent, living forever and reproducing are, cannot live together, according to the Zoya. Makes a lot of sense. If everyone were to live to ev- forever and everyone were to reproduce, we're, we're physical people, we're living in a physical world, where would the people be? everyone would live forever and everyone would have children then the world would have to have an infinite size and also there's the concept where your shamans are the willing so very good so very good so that's that there's a letter and i know this just i don't want to get off the tangent but exactly the alter Rebbe wrote a letter in which he expounds a lot about that but let me just go back to our parnasa topic whatever the world was when god made it Whatever it is that we lost through the first sin, we regained when God gave us the title. We were going to live forever. And we would not need to work to make a living, and that was the manna. And that means that this system will at some point come back. So if you want to have kids, chaparain, <laughs> to be aware of that. Now let me explain to you something amazing. Let's speak about the mana. I think the mana is this is the Rebbe's correlation. It's such a good metaphor to to give a to to explain what we spoke about last week without going that deep. Let me tell you what the Medrash says. <clears throat> that the mana fell every day other than Shabbos. That's written in the Chumash. Actually, it fell on Shabbos. Let me correct myself. We were commanded not to collect it on Shabbos. This is so amazing. This marshal. Fell every day, fell on Shabbos. God tell us, God told us, don't collect it on Shabbos. You can ask, why are you sending it on Shabbos? We're being told no, not to work on Shabbos. We'll see it's mamash the same thing. Now the mana fell. Every person had an allocated amount. The tenth of an oimer. One oimer, the tenth of an eifa. Whatever, it's forty-three x point three x. That's the quantity. It's two and a half pounds to five pounds of mana per day. Actually, if you took more than you needed, by the time you got home, you only had what you needed. 
And if you took less than you needed, then by the time you came home, you had exactly what you needed. All of these miracles are happening now. Let me just explain to you what happened then. Everyone had their portion. When another baby came into the world, there was an additional portion for the baby. Mamash. How There was one big however. Where did it fall? You learned this? So, uh, that, so I think Rashi even alludes to it. The Medrash speaks about it. The Gemara speaks about it. That depended on your behavior, on my behavior. Tzadikim, Beninim, Rashayim, these classifications, however you use it, and we are not the ones who have the ability to label people, but God, who is a true judge, sometimes puts us into different categories. You have people that are Tzadikim, you have people that are Beninim, and you have people that are called Rashayim. The righteous, the average, and the wicked. Everyone got their portion. But the tzaddik's mana fell mamish at the door of the tzaddik. The Bainanese portion fell a little bit out there. And the Rishoyim Nabakh needed to walk who knows where, the mile to go pick it. Is this where he gets his sourcing from? No, no, no. This is a medrash. This is a gemara. No, but I'm saying with the... No, no, no. no. Oh, 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 oh. Now, now one second. And, and this also explains why were we complaining about the mana? Because the mana was, was a miraculous food. Halavaybi would have the mana. The mana was pure. There was no waste from the mana. Mamish. It was nutri- it, 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 like everything that people are wanting now from food. We want the food to be healthy, and we're, we're paying a fortune to go to Whole Foods, and we're getting mistama unhealthy in different ways. <laughs> and like soup, it was a superfood. Superfoods. And, and like why? Like you think you why would that's why we were complaining. Because it exposed me. You understand? That means that yesterday the food fell to my door. But I misbehaved last night. Today my mana, my wife opened her and says, Honey, what did you do? <laughs> like like it, it mamish, it put everyone, this is where I'm at. Today I got to walk. Now there's so many questions on it, but the main questions is, is that why, why would God make the Russia walk? Like think about it. Imagine you're a parent and you want to, I get it. We don't want to spoil our kids. And, and we spoil, and we should, halavai, we should spoil our kids, but then we should realize, oh, this is not good. We gotta, we gotta pull back. So you're giving it all to your kid, and then the kid misbehaves. And you have a gift that has infinite value. So you, to punish the kid, you tell the kid, what well, I'm gonna give it to you, you need to walk another block to get it. I'll give you a better muscle. Oh, you have, a, you have an Amex without a limit. And you give it to your kid, try that, and they misbehave. So what would you do? Would you tell him, well, now, now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the Amex, the, the, the platinum Amex, the black card, whatever you call it, I'm gonna put it a mile away, or now I'm gonna put a limit. You don't have more infinite for the next week. You can only spend a hundred thousand dollars. What do you? What would you do? I would put a limit. You would put a limit. It makes more sense because. Because it's still anything that's infinite. And by the way, the mana had infinite taste. Whatever you wanted to taste, it was so amazing. Nothing was taken away from the rush, other than the amount of effort he has to make to go get it. Think about that. And I want to add to that. This is again. This is what the Hasidus says. Hasidus says a beautiful thing. When we eat, we're obligated to to bless God after eating. And, you know, it can be counterintuitive. I heard many people ask, why do we have to praise God so often every day? Isn't it overdoing it? I think that's a nonsensical question. It's the premise is wrong. The premise, there's no one and nothing that does kindness to us the way God does. Nothing. You can't compare. God is giving us every moment, our life and our everything. So when someone is giving you everything, how much is the right amount of praising and thinking? Exactly the way the Siddur was set up. That's the right amount. It's not overdoing it. It's not underdoing it. Same thing when you have a meal, when you eat. So many people say, say thank you. Very nice. No, no, no. Saying thank you doesn't cut it. When we are supposed to bless God after eating, we're supposed to make three blessings. Who formulated those blessings? The first one was written by Moshe. He authored it. God told us to give me three, bless me three times. The words Moshe Rabbeinu made for the first one. Yehoshua wrote the second one. In most of our Sidurim, the second one has two clauses. Right, Then it al hakoil, and it ends with the words Barachato Hashem al haaretz And David and Shloimoi they formulated the third blessing that ends with the words Amen. 
around a thousand years later did we add the fourth blessing. Let's leave that for another time. So there are three blessings that we make. They're called biblical blessings. Even though God did not write them, they were written by Moshe, Yeshua, David, and Shlema. But God wants us to bless them three times. Now, what's important is that when we blessed God after a meal in the desert, we were, we, we were not eating lechem min ha'aretz. The lechem was not min ha'aretz. We called it lechem min ha'shomayim. There was actually an opinion that says that imagine that when we made the blessing prior to eating, we said, Baruch Hashem lechem min Because it, it did not come from this world, the man. Then when we entered the land of Israel, the manna stopped falling. God gave us the land. We have to now cultivate and work the land. Now food is going to grow. Now we eat bread from the ground. We make a new bracha. Yeshua made in the end of the second, oh, and the first blessing ends, Baruch Hashem, we don't mention the word land because it didn't come from the land. How does the second bracha end? We're blessing God for the land and for the food because, yeah, I know the food the food came from the land, so you bless the land. I have a simple question. How are we making the first blessing nowadays? We're not eating manna from the heaven. We don't have that. And you're finishing the first blessing by thanking God for giving us sustenance. Baruch Hashem, Hazon. How does the second blessing end? Also with the words Mazon. We're speaking about Mazon. Why isn't it like double? It's superfluous. And not only superfluous, you can argue it's not correct. It's not accurate. We, I don't have the mana. How am I still making the same blessing that our grandparents made for the mana if we don't have the mana? And their answer is, we have the mana. That's the whole message. The only thing that changed, this is Gavaldic, between the mana that fell in the desert and the mana that God is giving us right now, what's the difference? They're both coming from God. The difference is how much effort we have to make. And even in the desert, you can't say that we didn't need to make any effort. No. Some effort you need it. First, you have to chew. That's the Rabbeinu Bachaya. God can put a plate in front of you. If you're not going to chew it, it's not going to be ingested. But aside of the chewing part, you, this is going to be key. That Sadik opened up the door and picked it up right there. Opened up the door to the tent. The Benimi got it down the block. The Russia went outside the camp. But the and even the wicked person got the same amount of money. Yeah, that's great. You get this. Whatever is coming to me is going to come to me. My effort won't change what's coming to me. You know what? My effort, how much effort? I have to make the effort. Now, I want to read some words inside and we'll come back to the mind. It's such a great analogy, this. Isn't that with life, though? Whatever is due us will be us. Exactly. In other words, we're using the food only as an example for everything else in life. But it's so counterintuitive because we are wired to, to see I'm making my effort and I'm getting results accordingly not MS and there's a, there's a detail that I want to speak about today because it's very vague so why don't I make just a minimum 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 effort we'll get there in a moment uh, if you're, the answer will be if you're a tzaddik you get to make a minimum 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 effort but I'll explain how that works in a second like the man in the desert, that the wicked, the difference between the tzaddik and the wicked, the worthy and the unworthy is how much effort they have to make. But both of them equally acknowledged, no doubt, that what they're getting has nothing to do with their effort. You can make all the effort in the world now until you're blue in your face, you'll never get the mana. This type of miraculous superfood, we don't have that. That God is giving that. And whatever it is that God destined, determined to give to us, we're getting that. We're getting that we are responsible independently of that to make the effort. And God is going to use my effort, your effort, as the channel through which to give you what's already coming your way. God is going to take your effort and use it as his channel to give you whatever he already determined that you, you will be getting. That's the Kaylee. That's the Kaylee. And I want to read words in 122. He's speaking here about taking care of one's actual life. 
And the same thing goes for one sustenance. The Rabbeinu Bachaya writes, he's quoting a statement that we have in the, in the Gemara in the Sechta Shabbos, page 32. Listen to the statement. A person should never put oneself in danger. And the question is, why should I not put myself in danger? If I'm destined to live, if everything that happens is God's plan, then even if I put myself in danger, then I'm going to live. And if I'm destined, God forbid, not, then I can be the safest guy in the world and, uh, and not. So the sage says, don't put yourself in danger. And to say that a miracle will be made for me. I'm going to come back to this in a moment. A miracle, first of all, maybe a miracle won't be made for you. Maybe that person who put himself or herself in danger will die. Or, and even if a miracle happens, a, they, they will deduct his or her merits. Which means that it could have left in his life? Oh, 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 I have to be the one making the keli. What happens if I don't make the keli? What happens then? Hashem has to change the plan. So, so like this, certain things have to happen. Hashem has to work harder. So you could use the words Hashem has to work harder, but let me let me let me take a step back and let me throw in these merits over here. And that's what some of the women asked last week. Where, where does prayer come into all this? Or doing mitzvahs. How do, you, how do you put it into the package? What is a kalim? There are two categories of kalim. There are two categories of kalim. There are natural kalim. Natural uh, channels. And then you have spiritual channels. Mitzvahs as channels. Prayers as channels. Blessings. Brachas that you can give to the, your fellow as a channel. These are also channels. They're very different. Sure. You have natural channels, which is our our grandparent walking to pick up the money. So you're getting it. The channel is the effort, the bodily effort of picking something up or chewing the food or today going to work. Still the same money. Just you have to make more effort. Even that tzaddik doesn't get what the Russia got in the desert. Walking won't do it. You got to do a little bit more. But the amount of effort still varies today. I'll tell you why it varies today. And I'll tell you why it varied in the desert. Mitzvahs are channels. Mitzvahs are channels means, think about this, that when you do a mitzvah, when you do a mitzvah, that mitzvah will also be used by God as the channel through which to send you whatever was already destined to go to you. When you say words of prayer, your words are used by God, if God wants, as a channel to give you what was destined to get to you. Through your thoughts? Through my verbal prayer. Thoughts is not a mitzvah. I almost become mitzvahs. The prayer is a mitzvah, in the context of a mitzvah. This is something already mystical. I'm not only talking about actual mitzvahs, but even, actual, even mitzvahs of action. Like, I'm a man, I put on tefillin. But how will my livelihood get to me through my action of putting on tefillin? It's mystical. I don't understand how that works. That's what I'm saying. Maybe through your thoughts. Maybe he gives it to you, gives you an idea, plants a seed. Could be, mind. could be. But let me, let me, let me, let me speak the extreme case. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says that someone who was devoted to the study of Torah on a level that this becomes that person's life. All of their work will be done by other people. We're not on that level. Where's the effort? He made the effort. The mitzvah of learning Torah. Whatever is destined to you is coming to you. What is our part? To make a keli, to make a channel. We have to make a natural channel. But we as Jews also have to make a mitzvah channel. The more mitzvah channels I make, the less onus on the natural channels. The less what? The less need. The less, the, the less mitzvahs that I make, then the more I have to make natural channels. 
the water in the channel will regardless come exclusively from God. All that we are doing is making channels. So think about now in the desert. Why did the wicked have to walk more? That's just making more keli. He needs more keli. Because since the wicked had less mitzvahs, so if there's no mitzvah pipings, so you got to use the natural pipings. And then it was walking. The tzaddik has more mitzvahs. If you have more mitzvahs, then you have to do less physical keli. They're both working. You just get to pick what your work will be in. Where will your effort be in? In physical work or in mitzvah work? And therefore, I'll give you another great example of the mana. People ask, like I said, why did the mana, why did the mana fall on Shabbos? Come on, God. If we're not supposed to pick it up on Shabbos, why are you sending me something? And you know what happened to that mana? It melted. It wasn't that it stayed over for Sunday. No, no, no. Sunday it fell again. Think about it today. Today, many people have the option of working on Shabbos. What does it appear like that if they're going to work on Shabbos, people are working on Shabbos because they want to make more money. It looks like they're going to be making more money. But it's not true. Like it was in the desert. If you picked up the manna on Shabbos, you took it home, and by the time you got home, it melted. So the income that a person earns today on Shabbos won't come to anything at the end. The amount of time that this is apparent is not like the way it was in the desert. That I got. But the reason why God made the world in a way where, where no work was done by Adam and Chava, they still needed to chew, they needed to pick off the tree, and collectively, nationally, no work was done after the Torah was given for 40 years is to tell us that even now when we are working, it's mamish the mana min When you make birchas samazin, you're thanking God for the mana in the heavens. Then you're thanking God for giving you the koyach and the seichel of making the kalim. It's like we are the land. The produce is coming from God through the land. I'm thanking God now for giving me the ability of making the keli through which I'm being sustained. God is using my efforts to get me what was destined for me to come. Now, we don't know the future. So for someone to say, I'm going to put myself in danger and God will make a miracle. Whoa, one second. If it was determined for someone, God forbid, to get injured or to die... How will that happen? You also need a channel. Who's going to be the channel? If that guy is choosing to behave irresponsibly, that person's actions will be the keli for God to do to the person exactly what was already predetermined to happen. So yes, that guy is going to be healthy or ill independently. I don't want to be a channel to anything negative, not even towards me. I only want to be God's channel to bring into the world something positive. And if something good is going to happen to me, that's the meaning that God will deduct it from my mitzvahs, which means I need mitzvahs. And let me word it this way, the more mitzvahs a person has, the less they are concerned about danger. I'm not saying, God forbid, that we should be irresponsible, but there's a huge gray area. There's a huge gray area. And how many stories do we have of people, while they were on the mission of doing a mitzvah, they were less concerned with danger. Not, God forbid, not concerned about danger. But how do you measure that? There isn't an exact measurement. But there was an exact concept. When people are involved in the mitzvah, think about all of the mitzvahs that our grandparents did in Russia. When it was not kosher, you you put yourself in danger. If a person was not keeping Shabbos in the concentration camp, they were not uh, liable for that. When people did things that are not the safest in the observance throughout the last 2,000 years of Golos, which continuously happened, they were allowed to do it that mitzvah became the channel for the blessings that God was going to give them. So either you're going to make the effort of staying safe naturally, or you're going to make the effort of staying safe by doing a mitzvah. Why not do it through the mitzvah? Why not do it through the mitzvah? Like this, you get, you get the blessing and you get the mitzvah. And you did the mitzvah. If you don't do the mitzvah, you're going to stay safe if it was determined for you to be safe, but you don't get the mitzvah. give you a story. There, there is a, there is a m- midah, there is a measure beyond the letter of the law of using a esrag that comes from Calabria for the four minimum sukkahs. 
not a mitzvah, it's not an obligation. The obligation is to take four species, one of them is an ethnic, but there's a medrash that tells us that when God told Moshe Rabbeinu, take for yourself a beautiful fruit, God showed him what it is, and the ethnic that God chose, I don't know why, God went to Italy, there must be something in Italy, and God took an ethnic from Calabria, and God told Moshe Rabbeinu, this, this is the pre-Aitz Hadar. And because of that, some people have a minig that they want to get an ethnic that came from Calabria of Italy. Second World War is here. The Rebbe is in Paris. Or he already, I don't know if he was in Paris or in Nice. The Rebbe was in Paris when the Nazis were there. The Rebbe and the Rebbe. But he went to the south of France prior to the Germans occupying the south of France. And that's how he made his way from there. He went to Portugal and he came to the United States. And it was before Sukkot. And the Rebbe felt that he should go to Italy to get an ethnic. Now, going into Italy was going from a place that was not occupied by the Nazis to go, to go. Now, even though in the beginning, because of Mussolini, not a dictator, Hitler was not that. Uh, Hitler didn't do to the Italians what he did to the rest of the world, at least not initially. But there was a big danger for a Jew that ever with the yarmulke, with the beard, that ever looked Jewish to travel. And he traveled. He actually, he asked a non-Hasidic Rav whether he's allowed to travel to get an Esrik, which he could have gotten in Nice. He could have gotten the Esrik, but he wanted to get an Esrik from Calabria. And he was told that he shouldn't do it. And the Rebbe went and he got two Esrik, one for him, one for the rabbi. <laughs> Why did he ask? I'm being recorded. <laughs> I don't mind saying it. The Rebbe was told, I want to mute this, the Rebbe was told that, that these sorts of questions you have to ask to a, to a Hasidic Sharav, and if you don't have a Hasidic Sharav, ask a Rav and do the opposite of what he says. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. So that's that story. All right, definitely, and please don't be people. All right, scrub it. Bleach it. One second. I want to make a point over here that on one hand, we're not allowed to do something dangerous. But if that's the case, if that's the case, you can argue, how can you live in Israel? How can you go to Yerushalayim? I know that, but that's not the answer. Or how, the only, how, how are we Jews today? You know how much danger our grandparents went through? We have no idea. We should appreciate what they did. We're living in a whole different world now. It was mamish. In Russia, it was dangerous. It was there. My grandfather left Russia. He bandaged his face. They shouldn't see his beard. It was, it was dangerous to look like a, like a religious Jew. Now, if someone would have made the argument that for my life, I'm going to shave, they were right. Within the halacha, they were right. I'm just saying the fact is, is that many people chose, I know it's not black and white, it's not dangerous or not, to, to allow more danger because they're doing a mitzvah. I know there is a limit somewhere where you say, no, 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 protect your life. Yes, I know that. But there's so many variables, there's so many shades, and we, the moment we're doing a mitzvah, the sakana becomes more tolerable, not completely tolerable, but we can, we can, we can move the line, we can move the needle. When it comes to making a parnasa, God told us to act responsibly. Logically, here in LA, you're not going to work this year, Monday and Tuesday. Whoever has a business, I had a store that was a good thing. It was Mesir Snefesh. It doesn't make sense. What my landlord did to me, bushes like he was angry that I closed my store down. Because you can't have off for a day or drive. You have a store that's closed and like like this. That he tolerated. But Yontif, Yontif he couldn't take. I'm saying this year, you have Shabbos. Then the game don't work Sunday. I used to work Sunday, but no one else worked on Sunday. Think about it. You have a store. Shabbos, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Not one time. Then again, and then they bind shalaylam, and then write it. Like, and you can argue: Is that called the effort? Is that the effort that God told you to make when you almost need a miracle? Again, the answer is you're right, but I'm making the mitzvah effort. I'm not closing my store and going to the beach. I have to make a keli. So either I'll make the keli, which is the acting response, which is a mitzvah, but it's a mitzvah to work naturally. The moment I'm doing a mitzvah, the mitzvah is also a channel. And the greatest of tzaddikim, like the tzaddikim in the desert, they made hardly any effort. Hardly, I'm not saying they made no, hardly any effort. They never went to college. 
The Rebbe hardly learned in college. The Rebbe also happened to be brilliant. And his wife was brilliant. And his wife helped him, they say. But, but I'm just giving examples of when a person feels there's something that I have to act responsibly. But it, within that, the greater the tzaddik, the less effort they make in the, in the, in the natural, because they're making that effort plus in the ruchni, which is also a channel. So people say, why am I praying? Prayer is a channel. The prayer is a channel. Now, does that mean that I can only daven and not work? No. But it does mean that I have, if I have to choose between stopping my work to daven mincha, in the middle of a meeting, or to say, by the laws of nature, if I'm going to stop this meeting that I was waiting, who knows how long, and if I make it, it's a $30 million deal, a frumayid will stop the meeting. And he's going to make the $30 million because he daven mincha. With all of these amazing stories that everyone has, every from a yid has. You can see the most famous story in the Lubavitcher world is one of the most influential balichuva of the last generation, who ended up being the only religious Jew that worked in NASA, with a big beard. What was his name? No, no, no. Branover came from Russia. His name will come. American yid. He was impossible to get to. His name will come to me. What a story. What a character. And Rabbi Moshe Feller, who, who he worked then in Minneapolis, Minnesota, was trying to get hold of him. He says for months he couldn't get a meeting with him. When he finally got a meeting with him, can you imagine? You go into the guy's waiting room, and these big people, you know, you wait for them. When it was finally, he entered the office, it was already sunset. And he told this Jew, I apologize, I got a Davin Mincha. He davened Mincha in his office. And this guy tells him that you were trying to speak to me for all of these months, and now that you finally come, you know what kind of power you need to have? Like, amazing. He said, had I known that you would let me in right before Shkia, I would have davened earlier. I didn't want to be called in and, and ignored when I'm davening in the, in the reception. I'm happy that I had the opportunity not to disrespect you, but I have to speak to God more than I have to speak to you. That's why he became religious, ultimately. Wow. There was two stories that he always shares. His name will come to me. That was that story. Then he became, he says, that changes the thing about religious people. It was not natural, but it worked. In other words, God made that connection through his mitzvah. Then he was a big intellectual. His name will come to you. He was very smart, but you know, there's smarts, and then there's practice. And some people get into that cycle that they love the learning, and they love the learning, and they love it, the, but they don't move. If you don't do the action, nothing will happen. And this guy was always stuck on the big picture. He used to have Rabbi Feller, what does God want from me? And, and, and he would tell him, God wants you to keep the mitzvahs. Didn't talk to him. What does God really want? What does God want from me? For, he says for years, but they were friends, they were learning a lot, but he didn't budge. And the story with him was that that he was going on a tree, he was a big talker, he was a, big, he was a famous person. His name has to come to me, maybe just Google him, the religious Jew in NASA. And he goes on a trip, Rabbi Feller tells him, do me a favor, you're going with the whole entourage. And he was going in business class, Choshev, he says, make a Kiddush Hashem, order kosher food, what will you lose? Nothing. Not that I know what the Goyesha food is. So Hitaka went and he ordered the kosher food. And Rabbi Fella tells him, at least let everyone know that you're eating kosher food. So when the stewardess came by, do you want the two options on Alal, they say, is do you want to eat or not eat? These are the two options. Yes or no. But in other airlines, you have different, uh, you know, you want the, the chazer or you want the shrimp. So they offered the two foods. And he says loud, no, he says, ma'am, I ordered kosher. With the, he wanted everyone to know. He did what Rabbi Feller asked him. Good. <laughs> Now, whoever went on a flight, also, for sure, it's going to happen to you if it didn't. And if it didn't yet happen, it's a miracle. There will be that time that they won't have your kosher meal. Now, this guy was going on a flight with a stopover, and he was hungry. You're going business. These people, he's used to get eating good on the plane, so he already announced that he's eating kosher. In the viola, when they don't have the food, they don't have the courage to tell you. They're walking up and walking down, and everyone else is getting served until he says, no, where is the kosher food? She apologized. She told him that... uh, we don't have it. Now he says, the first thing he wanted to say is, that's fine, give me the shrimp. 
But he says he made such a loud announcement, I'm eating kosher, that he, could, he was trapped. And he's hungry, and he's tired, and he's beginning to feel anger towards Rabbi Feller. You tricked me. After all this, I should eat kosher. Look, and I'm hungry. To make things worse, the stopover, it was a stopover in Chicago. Velvet Green, thank you. Velvet Green. Yeah. So Velvet Green goes out on the airport. It was in Chicago. It was already late at night. But the, the one thing that was opened was a hot dog, a good Chazer hot dog stand. And this is before the cell phones. So he goes on a payphone. Can you imagine? And he calls Rabbi Feller collect. <laughs> yeah? He says, this is Velvet Green. Rabbi Feller, you tricked me. I'm very angry at you. Because of you, I wasn't given the food. I'm starving. And thank God, he says, there is a hot dog stand in the Ohio, or whatever the name of the airport over there. But I, wa- I'm, I wanna call you up to let you know that I'm getting online and I'm gonna order for myself a triple hazard hot dog with all the pictures on top. I want you to know that. So Rabbi Feller, God gave him chachma. This is from God. Tells him, Velvet Green, you are for years asking me, what's the message of Judaism? I finally have the answer for you. God is telling Velvet Green that when you are starving and angry, don't eat the Chazra hot dog. And he hung up the phone on him. <laughs> That's what God wants for you. He says, I got online and he bought it and he couldn't eat it. He just couldn't eat it. And he threw it out, and that was the first mitzvah that he kept, and he became a full-fledged observant Jew because of this. But I'm coming back. What began it all? What began all is, is that is that you're standing, you're you're one a meeting, you're standing in front of a person that you worked months to get in front of, and you have to choose: am I speaking to a human being, or am I speaking to God? There's a mitzvah to speak to God. I'm doing the mitzvah. Was it the most responsible thing to do? He did the right thing. He did a mitzvah. Because the moment we're doing a mitzvah, the mitzvah becomes the channel. It doesn't mean that do the mitzvah the whole day in koilul. No, unless you're unique, whatever, if that works for you. It means work and learn. Work and daven. But understand that the work and the, all of that, we are creating channels. And God, as we said last week, God already knows the channels that we are. God already knows that, but after the fact, and God will use the channels that we are making to give to us whatever has to come to us. So if something was destined for you, it's gonna happen. How will it happen? Ideally through your effort, through your keli. But if you're not gonna make the keli, someone else will make the keli. I'll tell you how many stories of people that I know that when it came to marriage, if you were destined, you married exactly who you were destined to. It doesn't mean that you're happy. It doesn't mean that, it, it, but that was what God wanted from you. Bashar doesn't mean it's a match. Bashar means you were destined to get married. Everyone has their person and everything else in life. And, and, and how many people say that I, I didn't choose the shidduch, the shidduch was, was chosen for me. You said no, someone else said yeah, and then it turned, they tricked you, God forbid. You know, if it was meant to be, it's gonna happen. Sorry, Menu was, was physically, she had no keli. Physically, but it was de- she was destined to have Yitzchak. Yitzchak came into this world through the keli of prayer, mamish. That's a yid. We are the people that we have the option of having Torah and tefillah and mitzvahs as the keli for everything that's coming our way. Now it doesn't mean that Sarah didn't go to doctors. She did that also. I know that the Rebbe's wife went to doctors. When she was in her late 40s, she was still going to doctors, which then was unheard of in that age. Now it's a new world. People should know that, especially the, the men. So they think uh, you want to have kids, you have to marry someone. Today you can marry a woman, she's 50, she can still have kids, naturally. But it wasn't that way 50 years ago. So you make your effort, but for a yid, a big part of the effort is, is, is mitzvahs. Not working on Shabbos for a Jew is just as much as a keli as doing work on Monday. It's the same thing. But coming back to this one, Nakuda, that my choices and the results are not connected. 
are not connected. The results are God's doing. My choice is, is me offering God different channels through which to work with. And it's a different way of thinking. And it's very counterintuitive. And it's important to hear this again and to review it again. And when people get into that zone, which is the emes, they mamash have betachem, because it's a different. What's coming to you is coming to you, don't worry. Don't worry means for good or bad, for good or for our bad. Ain't not, you just accept, accept reality. Accepting God and accepting reality is the same exact thing. That's important. And most people, I know when they use religious words, oh, they, they believe in God, they accept God. Most people struggle with reality. I would say that if you're not a tzaddik, and you know, most people are not tzaddikim, there's going to be at least one area in your life or in my life where I'm not content, where I have in the back of my mind, if only I would have made another choice or this or that or the other. And most people live by, by going into the world of fantasy, which is the easiest way to deny reality. And that's denying God. And that creates all of the inner turmoil, and that, that is where all of the anxiety comes from. And, and the reason why people cannot accept reality, I, I would say in most cases, is because they think that it was their choice. So they feel bad. Why did I do that? Had I done different, it would have been different. No, it wouldn't have. No, it wouldn't have. You would be exactly where you are right now. Could be you would have gotten there through another channel. That which is, it was meant for you. That which is, is meant for me. And it came from God, not random. And not to punish me. No, this is what, this is my life. I was given a life by God. That's my, that's the life that God, embrace it, make the best of it. See the beauty in it. Fix whatever can be fixed. Good is good, better is better. If it's not good, for sure, do the best you could. If a person was given a body that something doesn't function, yeah, they have to accept it. If not, they'll be, uh, they'll be uh, depressed people. Even if they can't fix it, they, 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 you know, make the best you could. But all of our efforts is a mitzvah not connected to the results. But we can change the results through really praying really hard or actually stuck up. Let me say like this. Very good. Sorry, Imenu was destined to have a child. But God did not give her a physical, the body parts that she needed, she physically did not have. It's like amazing. These are holy people. This is an extreme example. So how was it going to come about? It was also not going to come about without effort. But the type of effort that she made was prayer. She and Avraham, mamish. And without that channel, she would not have it. So it's correct to say that if they wouldn't have prayed to have a child, then there would not have been the Hashem Pakad Dasara. True. But all they did was make the channel. And from the perspective of people like Avram and Sarah, having a womb or not having a womb is all the same. The whole thing is a miracle. Everything is from God. Made no difference to them. They were not, uh, it was not, nothing was in the realm of impossible. That beautiful story of, the, of a bas mitzvah girl. She's now, uh, whatever her age is right now, but she's on one of the beautiful uh, gem videos that when she, she became his bas mitzvah when she was in the 80s. And it was common that you wrote a letter to the Rebbe and the Rebbe would respond like he would respond to a bas mitzvah, to a bar mitzvah. There was just a standard letter and then the Rebbe would sign his name. So when she wrote in, she wrote a footnote, noon base. And she wanted to write something to the Rebbe. She didn't want anyone to understand what she's writing. So she knew from her parents that in Russia, whenever you would write letters in Hebrew, the censor, the, the communist also knew Hebrew. So how did you write? Whichever letter you wanted to write, the code was write the next letter. So you wrote out a message, and then you wrote it again by writing just where Aleph becomes a base, a base becomes a gimel, and the person who got it would decipher it that way. So she wrote in that code to the Rebbe, a beautiful bracha, that just like Avram and Sarah had children in their very old age, the Rebbe and the Rebetzin then were, were already in their 80s, she's giving a bracha to the Rebbe that the Rebbe and the Rebetzin should have a child. How beautiful is that? This is beautiful. And the Rebbe responded, 12 year old, in the code. And the Rebbe, and she has the letter. So the Rebbe responded, signed his name, and then he responded in that code. And he thanked her for the bracha. 
How beautiful is that? But that's a yid. In other words, I have to do, make a keli, I have to work with nature. We have to do. question is how much? Do mitzvahs, work both and find a balance. And we have to find a balance. And look in this month, again, Tishrei is a month in which most religious people will work less. Now, does it mean that everyone is going to make the same income? I don't know. Whatever was destined. Some people will make more money. Some people will make less money. But it's not because they're working less because God told me to work. God told me not to work. That's why he gave them on Shabbos. You want to go on Shabbos, you, you can make believe you're getting it on Shabbos. But it's not going to, at the end, it's going to melt. And the holy you are, you are which means the more effort you're making beruchnias, the less effort you make begashmias. Where to draw the line, you determine that. That's the key. And that's a life of a from a person. We all are in this boat. Families, you have this. Making an effort, you're making an effort. But then, we're doing more mitzvahs, we're having more kids. They have more tuitions. It's not that we don't make effort. We make an effort, but we do mitzvahs. And whenever we have to pick and choose, and generally, the rule is choose the mitzvah. Choose the mitzvah. That will become the keli. Keep Shabbos and you'll have parnas. Keep Shabbos and you'll have more parnas. And you won't necessarily see it in day one, but after a couple of years, you'll look back and you'll see that's the way it is. And so goes with prayer, at least for a man, to daven with a minion, even if it, he's speaking about not getting jobs at the end of the world, a mitzvah to be with your family. Unless it's a mitzvah not to be with the family. Some people have shalom bayis because one spouse is not home. If that's the case, then fine, that's the case. But in most cases... Look for a parnasa where you can keep the mitzvahs better, not keep the mitzvahs less. Whenever there's a conflict between parnasa and mitzvahs, it can't be. It can be a conflict. Work it out. Even though it means cutting out some work, as long as you're still making some physical effort. We're not sadikam on that level to give birth to a baby without a womb. That was sarayimena, but we can tap into that concept. So on that note, just to give a bracha for the end of the year, that we're, we, they, there's many days in the year, being that the results are not commensurate to our efforts. So you never know, guys. There could be big brachas that God gave you last year that are yet still to happen. Mm-hmm. And just to make a little keli, you never know. Not next year. Next year, I'm sure good. This year, this year, you have 12 days, 13 days. Shem shall bless all of us, all of you, that in the next 13 days, you can have a better 13 days than you had the past 300 days. Amen. 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 Am